Jesus, we do thank you that you stand before the throne of God and plead for us. Thank you that you are our high priest. And that because of you, we can come before the throne of God. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would be with us as we open up your scriptures. We ask that it will be your voice that we hear. Thank you for our time together where we have been able to worship in song and, and worship in giving. And no, Lord, we worship in the word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 18. Now, as you're turning there, I don't imagine any of you have looked around First Church in the last five years and seen a bunch of little kids running around, have you? Anybody? We've got a few of them here. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's happened to me before. There's been a time or two where a kid has come up to me and very passionately, very animatedly, with all sorts of gusto, they start telling me this story. And they're telling it with their entire being. You know, and they get to the end of it, and they're just so proud of themselves because they have told it, and they've told it so well, and they march off, and I find myself going, who was that story about? What, what was that story about? In the last several months, we've looked at stories found in the Gospel of Luke that are found in none of the other Gospels. Today we are back in one of those stories, and it's a story that on the surface, upon first reading, we could think, ah, I know exactly what that's about. But if you pause for any length of time and, and kind of let it settle in, you may find yourself scratching your head thinking, who was that story about? What was that story about? Let's read it. You guys can follow along in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice, because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Like I said, kind of on the surface, the main point seems clear. It seems that the story is all about a widow who doesn't give up. Persistence. Why else would generations of translators subtitle this section, The Persistent Widow? And it seems that Jesus, or at least the Gospel writer Luke, as he is setting the story for Jesus' parable, tells us what this is all about. Verse 1, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. 
Always pray and never give up. And to illustrate those two points, Jesus told a story about a widow. So is this story about the widow? Let's look at her and see the things that surround her. First off, verse 3. I've already said it a few times. This woman was without a husband. She was a widow. It says, a widow of that city came to him. We know that God has a special place in his heart for widows. You've heard me say countless times before, it's God's desire to see the most vulnerable in a culture, to see them cared for. A widow in that culture was the most vulnerable. Most of you know the biblical book of James, chapter 1, verse 27, by heart. Pure and faultless religion is this, in the eyes of God our Father, that we must care for orphans and widows in their distress. No one's going to argue if I say that God has a special place for widows. But I think he's got an additional special place for widows that are being wronged. And the widow in this story most definitely was being wronged. Verse 3, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The widow came saying, grant me justice. Give me legal protection. Avenge me of mine adversary. As a widow, this person would have been poor. Very poor. So to to deny her justice would have been wrong on many different levels. Jewish law said in in Exodus chapter 23, verse 6, in a lawsuit, you must not deny justice to the poor. Just a few verses earlier, God speaks to the type of person this was, a a widow. Exodus 22, verse 22 through 24. God says, you must not exploit a widow or an orphan. If you exploit them in any way and they cry out to me, then I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will blaze against you, and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows, and your children fatherless. In another place, God was speaking to the prophet Isaiah when he said this, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. That's Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. In today's text, Jesus was telling a story about a widow who was not getting the justice she desired and so rightly deserved. And I would imagine that at this point in the story, God is not smiling. So what does the widow do? She comes repeatedly to the judge. She kept coming back to the judge. Now this could sound nice and polite. It could bring to mind Miss Donna who, by the way, pray for her, she's sick today. It could bring to mind Miss Donna going somewhere to to address an issue and standing in line somewhere. Picture Miss Donna, okay? Very nice, very sweet, kind of standing in line. You're going to be the line here, okay? And she just kind of waits, kind, polite. People may be cutting in front of her. Some people may even accidentally or purposefully nudge her, but Miss Donna wouldn't even blink, right? She's just kind of waiting. That the picture we should get in this story? It shouldn't be. Listen to how Jesus describes the woman's actions. She says, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. 
There was no, please, would you? If you would be so kind, would you? It's give me justice. Now, if Jesus was teaching the disciples about persistence in prayer, which verse 1 kind of alludes to, the teaching to coming back to God in prayer over and over and over would have been new to the disciples. Jews in that day were taught that you should only pray for something three times. Otherwise, you might make God weary. Now, this widow breaks the three times prayer guideline, and she does so in a great way. She gets up into the judge's face. She gets up into his business. This is verse 4 and 5. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or people, but this woman is driving me crazy. Some of your texts say, this woman is bothering me. Now, the Greek word for bother is parexo. This means to be close beside. It means in an up-close and personal way. Okay? So this is not Donna standing in line nicely. This is, give me justice. Give me justice. Give me justice. That's the picture. This woman is bothering me. Every time this judge walked around a corner, that woman was there. Give me justice. Anytime he opened the doors to his judge's chamber, give me justice. She was right there. Now here's the funny thing we miss in English. The judge, in his response to the woman's persistence, in his response to her in-your-face approach, is possibly saying he's scared she's going to hit him. We don't see that in English, but listen to this. Verse 5. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Wearing me out. That phrase in Greek is a boxing term. It actually means to give somebody a black eye. Let me read it again. I'm going to see that she gives justice, but she is about to give me a black eye with her requests. That's the Greek. Now, what a great approach. What a a great, victorious attempt to get what she deserved. If she truly was a boxer, I'd kind of want to hold a sign that said, Go widow. Go widow. So is that what this story is all about? This woman and her actions. Or is there more to it? Let's look at the judge. Verse 2. There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A judge in a certain city that neither feared God nor cared about people. My brother-in-law is a lawyer, and he talked to me a long time ago about a desire to be a judge. I think he may have even run for a couple of judges' seats. He would not want to be described like this. Not fearing God. Not caring for people. This just sounds like um, somebody who's unwise. Wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon once wrote, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. If the man did not fear God, he was going to struggle with good judgment. What's his career? He's a judge. What's he supposed to be able to do? Give good judgment. 
but he's not fearing the Lord. Keep your finger in Luke 18 and flip back to 2 Chronicles. And those who have their smartphones just, you know, hit the button that goes somewhere very, very quickly. In the 2 Chronicles, we're going to see King Jehoshaphat, who was appointing judges over Judah. The 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verses 4 through 9. Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, but he went out among the people, traveling from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, encouraging the people to return to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. He appointed judges throughout the nation in all the fortified towns, and he said to them, always think carefully before pronouncing judgment. Remember that you do not judge to please people, but to please the Lord. He will be with you when you render the verdict in each case. Fear the Lord and judge with integrity. Fear the Lord our God. Excuse me. For the Lord, of our, for the Lord our God does not tolerate perverted justice, partiality, or the taking of bribes. We're in verse 8 now. In Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and clan leaders in Israel to serve as judges for cases involving the Lord's regulations and for civil disputes. These were his instructions to them. You must always act in fear of the Lord with faithfulness and an undivided heart. What was his main instructions to the judges he appointed? Fear the Lord. Go ahead and flip back to Luke 18. In our text, the judge, the man's actions should not surprise us. Because the man was not Jewish. He was not a Jewish judge. How do we know that? Well, Jewish disputes weren't taken to the public courts. They were taken to the elders. Now, if the elders couldn't figure it out, and and if for some reason under Jewish law the matter was taken to arbitration to a judge... One man could not constitute a court, as is the case in our story today. For the Jews, there would always be three judges in a case of arbitration. It would be a judge for the plaintiff, a judge for the defendant, and a judge that would ultimately decide the case. So the judge in our story was more than likely a judge appointed by Herod or the Romans. Now these judges were notorious. Unless you had money to bribe the judge, which as a widow she wouldn't have had money. Or unless you had a bunch of sway in the community, influence, which, again, as a widow, she probably wouldn't have had, there wasn't much hope in getting a verdict given to you. These judges were notoriously bad judges. It was said that they would pervert justice for a dish of meat. And the people around them in that day would actually uh, have a pun on on their titles. They'd have a play on words on what those judges were called. The, the names of those judges were Dianae Gezeroth. Okay? Dianae Gezeroth. That literally means uh, judges of prohibitions or punishments. But the people would call them Dianae Gezeroth. Change the R to an L, which means robber judges. And they probably snickered every time they walked by and said, there goes the Dianae <laughs> Shouldn't surprise us that the judge was said not to fear God nor man. So my question is, is this story about him? 
is the story about him finally wearing down, fearing a black eye because someone's up in his face every time he turns the corner. It's a story about him finally giving justice. Jesus did say in verse 6, Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So are we learning a lesson from the judge this morning? Or are we learning a lesson from the widow this morning? Or are we being taught about prayer like Jesus said in verse 1? Or are we learning a lesson about God and his desire to see justice given? In Amos chapter 5, the prophet says, But let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. In verse 7 of our text, it says, Even the judge, the unjust judge, rendered a just decision. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. Now, in many biblical stories, in fact, in most biblical stories, God is compared to a judge. He's pictured as a judge. But nobody would want to say that God was like the judge in this story, aside from the ultimate rendering of justice. God won't refuse to give justice due to not caring about humanity. And the the verses are very clear that we just read. For God's children, which can be us, If we are seeking justice day and night, God is going to give it. If we're seeking justice day and night, do you hear the echo of the widow in there? Day and night, crying out. Prayer. Persistence. I got to admit, this this text gave me fits early on in the week. And I was sitting with somebody Tuesday morning talking about it. And we kind of wrestled through it and, and came to the conclusion that if we stopped second, uh, about halfway through verse 8, we could probably tie this up in a nice little bow and somehow figure out you know, how the judge relates to the widow, relates to prayer. But Jesus didn't stop the story there. He continued. This is, this is verse 8, all of it. I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Does that seem kind of out of place? That seemed kind of like, whoa, that's, that's out there. That's coming from left field. It, it did to me. I wondered, what in the world does that have to do with the rest of the story that Jesus just told? Well, it turns out, when you look at the entire context of the story, and this means going back halfway through chapter 17, that Jesus is having a discussion about the coming of the kingdom. He's giving encouragement to his disciples to hang on, to keep persevering, to not give up, even if persecution seems to be overwhelming you. So then contextually, when Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, what he's doing is he's wrapping up the conversation from chapter 17. Knowing that also puts a new light on verse 1, where Jesus says this story is about praying and never giving up. I think the faith that Jesus mentions in verse 8 can also be applied to when Christ returns. Will there be people with faith? But it will also be applied to those that keep praying. Jesus wanted to teach his disciples to keep praying, right? Now maybe the widow's example 
that, she, that he's giving through this story answers one of our more difficult questions about prayer. Should we ask just once and believe? Or should we ask continually? This question was actually asked last week by somebody after the Ask, Seek, and Knock sermon. They said, is it a lack of faith if we keep asking? Or should we just ask once? And I wonder if Jesus' story tells otherwise. I wonder if that last line tells otherwise. For somebody to keep coming back to the Father continually, over and over and over, to to get up close and personal with God, I wonder if Jesus is saying that actually takes more faith than just asking once and trusting that it will be done. It may take more faith to keep asking, trusting that God will answer. Perhaps Jesus is saying those that keep asking are growing in their faith. They are being stretched. This could be a a difficult approach to that answer, to that question, because there are people who pray for justice for years and years and years, and it it doesn't seem like God is going to answer. It doesn't seem like he does answer. But maybe their persistence of praying over and over and over, maybe that's growing their faith. It could be argued the other way. Maybe maybe that's going to shrink their faith. But maybe that's why Jesus asks When the Son of Man returns, will he find people who have faith? The faith to keep asking. The faith to keep praying. What's the story all about? Is it about that faith? Is it about the widow? Is it about the judge? I want to read the story again to us. You've heard me talk a little bit about the history of the story, about the background. You've seen kind of the different lenses through which we could look at this story. And I want to tell you, I think that this story could mean something different for different people in here. I think God's Word is alive and active enough to where for one of you, it could be a reminder that we need to be persistent in prayer. For another of you, it could be a reminder that, you know, maybe you need to be a little bit closer to the Father. For another one of you, it may be a nudge to have more faith, or maybe it's saying, maybe you don't fear God enough. Maybe you don't care for people enough. I want to read the passage again. But I'm going to pause for a moment before I do. And I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit would open the ears of our heart, the eyes of our heart, and show us what he wants us to hear through this. So let's listen again to the story after just a brief moment. God, we want this story to come from you. We recognize that there are several different angles that, that we could look at the story through. And we recognize that we may need to hear all of those angles or maybe just one of them. So I ask, Lord, now as I read the story again, that you would open the ears of our heart. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, 
He said, there, there, there was a judge in a certain city, Jesus said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? There are times when a kid will come to us and passionately tell a story, and we leave wondering, what's it all about? Today's scripture could potentially leave us asking that same question. Was it about prayer? Was it about never giving up? Was it about a judge? Was it about a widow? Was it about a God who wants justice? Was it about developing our faith? My answer to those questions is, yes, it was. My encouragement to us today is to take what the Holy Spirit has showed us through this passage, to take it seriously, and to grow forward. What will you do with this text? God, that answer could be individual. And we recognize, Father, that answer could also be corporate. What are we to do with this text? God, are we as a corporate body crying out for justice day and night? Or are we mistreating people in any way? God, are, are we continually coming to you in prayer? And is that growing our faith? Holy Spirit, we trust that you have something to say to us. And we ask that you would open the eyes of our heart to listen and to see what that is. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again and sing together.